The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat, and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. A slave of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slave said to him, Did you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels... And they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So today, as Pastor Moki mentioned in the welcoming, we are going to continue to look at some kingdom of heaven parables, these stories that Jesus tells us to help uh, us understand heavenly truths that are beyond our comprehension. It'd be easy to say that the three parables we heard today are all similar or even the same, because each of them deal with putting a seed in the ground, or the first two with putting a seed in the ground and watching them grow, the third putting yeast in a loaf of bread and some flat dough and allowing that to rise or to grow. But if we pay attention to how Jesus attaches that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, we'll see that there's a, a nuanced uh, nature to these. In the first, Jesus connects the kingdom of heaven with the man who is doing the sowing. In the second, the kingdom of heaven is connected with the seed itself, the mustard seed. And in the third, the kingdom of heaven is connected with the yeast. The first parable Jesus himself explains for us, for his disciples, when he goes away. The man in the parable is the Son of Man. It's Jesus himself. And while the seed of last week's parable was the word of the kingdom, this week it is 
the children of the kingdom. It's us. We are the seeds in that story. And what we see in that story is the patience of God. It takes on this apocalyptic tone, but God doesn't destroy the weeds until the end because he doesn't want to risk that even one piece of the good wheat would be harmed in the process, that we, the children of the kingdom, would not be casualties. But I think he also is giving the weeds, the children of the evil one, a chance to repent. While we know the judgment day will come, there will be an end to all things, and at the end the weeds will be taken out and thrown into the fire, the end has not yet come. And we have to remember from last week, the words of Jesus are not simply descriptive, this is the way things are, but rather they're creative. His words affect reality. His words of of grace and mercy and truth. If you want proof of this, look in the mirror. You are proof of the mercy of God. I am proof of the mercy of God. Because I know I am a weed that has been turned into good grain, and I know there's still weeds in my heart that Jesus is working on constantly. I mean, how cruel would it be if God just said, well, the weed is the weed and the weeds are the weeds and it just is that way. Just like the seeds that were carelessly sown last week, even on roadways and and rocky earth. And as Jesus gives that time for repentance, I would encourage us to likewise not condemn the weeds around us, the weeds around us. And uh, I'm talking about your neighbor here right? I'm not giving you gardening advice. If you're taking gardening advice from me, you're in in poor company. Do not do that. Talking about your neighbor. We should not cut them off from good soil before their time has come. The Word of God is is full of grace and, and conversion and transformation. He is the one who creates from the weeds of this earth good wheat. We are living proof of this. As he continually converts our hearts, he is patient with us. He's so patient with us. May we likewise be patient. Patience like we see in the third parable where you you have the yeast representing the kingdom entering into this this three measure uh, of wheat loaf of uh, dough at the time and allowing it to rise into this beautiful loaf of bread. It takes time. It takes patience. And then we come to the, the parable in the middle, which when I was working on this this week is the one that struck me the most. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took, sowed in a field. It is the smallest of seeds, yet when full grown is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. Now, a lot of us are familiar in Matthew 17 when it says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, great things can happen. But Today, it's, it's not the mustard seed being a symbol of faith. It's the mustard seed is a symbol of the kingdom of heaven. And to me, that's very strange. The kingdom of heaven, which Jesus says is not of this world, which is larger and longer lasting than any kingdom of this world because it's, it's all nations and it's eternal. You would think that kingdom would be big and bold and important and epic. But a mustard seed, a small little grain, 
it's easy for me to relate a mustard seed to my faith because I can be humble and say, oh, my faith was so small and God has made it grown big. But the kingdom of heaven? But if we look through the, the biblical history, we see this is no new thing that God's doing. Abraham and Sarah were without a child, 90 years old without a child. I am 35, I just turned 35, and the kids exhaust me. Can you imagine that? 90? 90 years old without a child. And Abraham's seed is, is nothing to brag about. He has no son to be his heir, to receive the inheritance of all that Abraham had to give. But even more than that, the promise that God gave to Abraham, that your descendants are going to be as many as the stars of the sky and the sand of the shores. God is an ever-patient God. Abraham was not patient. And so he tries to fulfill that prophecy himself, and in the process creates chaos and heartbreak. He takes to himself Haggai, their servant, and out of that union is born Ishmael, who then Abraham has to banish. Yet God still delivered. Our patient God still delivered. In a situation where Abraham and Sarah can take no credit for themselves, but only give glory to God. The impossible happened. And Isaac was conceived and born of the womb of Sarah. And from Isaac, that small seed, we see another handing on of the promise. But it wasn't handed on to the big, strong, harried-armed son, Esau. It was handed on to Jacob, who deceived his brother, and stole the birthright. And Jacob has 12 sons from four different wives because his own father-in-law betrayed him, deceived him. Perhaps, perhaps he had it coming. And instead of the glory of God going to Reuben, the eldest, it's the 11th son, Joseph, who was thought to be dead, who now finds himself seated at the right hand of Pharaoh, who glorifies the family and the nation. And when future Pharaohs had forgotten all that Joseph did and how many people and lives Joseph had saved by helping Pharaoh through his visions and his dreams, they enslaved the children of Israel. For 400 years, over 400 years, they enslaved the children of Israel. So God chooses for himself not a great nation, but a nation of slaves who had forgotten who they were and where they had come from. They were never the greatest nation. Even as they, they're freed through many great signs and wonders and, and wander the desert for 40 years, even as they entered into the promised land, they were never the greatest of nations. But time and again, our patient God pruned back all those unsightly growths and he, he directed them back to himself time and time again. Even after the Assyrians and, and the Babylonians ransacked the holy city and even leveled the temple. When it appeared, there was nothing more than a stump left of the seed that went all the way back to Abraham. God remained ever faithful and watchful and patient. And the children of Israel were impatient the whole time. How long was Moses on the mountain and they built for themselves a golden calf, even after all the wonders and signs they had witnessed? Or th their God wasn't moving fast enough, so they wanted their own king who would make decisions a little quicker. Or, or they would worship the gods of the very people they conquered and then from the very land they took over. And they, and they were never satisfied with the speed at which God moved. 
No different than today. How often do you find yourself frustrated by God that he's not working on your schedule, that he's not working in your time? Until one day within the womb of a virgin, the seed was planted. The smallest of all peoples, a new life conceived in the womb of Mary. A life which was from of old but as small as any of us had ever been. A life which would say, before Abraham was, I am. For 30 years, nothing extraordinary came out of his life, really. He grew, it tells us, in wisdom and stature before God and man. And then when he does come into his ministry, he doesn't gather for himself great politicians and thinkers and orators and speakers and teachers and theologians. He gathers for himself fishermen and tax collectors and sinners. And it's from their very mouths that the word of God comes forth that one day spreads like a wildfire across all the land that we've received it ourselves and are gathered here today. A message that was not for the smallest of nations nor for the largest of nations, but for all nations. And so it is that the infinite, eternal, everlasting kingdom of heaven is constantly growing by the grace of God like a tree, like a mustard tree. A kingdom which is full of the children of Abraham, as numerous as the, the stars in the sky and the sands of the shore. From this smallest seed of Jesus in the womb of Mary grows the great kingdom that stretches from shore to shore where the sun never sets on it today. I love this image. And it's a place of, of dwelling, a place of of safety. The kingdom becomes for us a place of dwelling and safety where, where we like the birds get to come and sing our songs with, with joy and thanksgiving and hope. United in Christ. This is a parable that brings me great comfort because it tells us about the character of God who is so patient with us. He doesn't flaunt his power trying to impress us. He uses his power to destroy the evil one to thwart the plans of Satan. But, but he has a finesse about him too as he deals mercifully with us. And this parable shows that, that patient, constant care. Because he understands what it means to be lowly. He understands what it means to be small. Because he took it upon himself. He experienced it for himself. There are times in life that we experience intense things. And people come to us and they may offer their, their sympathy. But they don't, they don't get it, right? But when we find ourselves and we connect with a group of people that had similar, perhaps even tragic experiences that we've shared, we, we understand each other and there's a bond that forms that's, that's thicker than even blood. Because they know. The pain, the, the struggle, the, the difficulty, the heartbreak, they know. Likewise, our God knows because he became like a mustard seed in the womb of Mary for us and lived life amongst us. And so it's not just that he can sympathize with our burden, he carries our burden. And isn't that what we all want to be is known? God knows you, and it's a good thing. So be patient. Be patient and wait on the Lord. 
Our world rushes in, into everything. We, we think it's a, a sign of the new hyper age of the internet we live in. It's not anything new. We love to rush into things. We're not patient with each other. We're not. We, we, we take the weeds and we throw them in the fire, right? And we don't care who gets hurt in the process, what wheat goes along with it. May we be more patient and graceful. We get bored waiting for the Lord, and so we chase after a new shiny thing. Let him cultivate your heart, right? Don't let the pace of the world take you over. We live in a world that yeast companies advertise against each other that their yeast works fast. Like, we can't even wait for bread to rise anymore. Like, these are the things we argue about. Wait for the Lord. Life is not a microwave dinner. It is a patient journey with God. And that's the journey of faith we're all walking on. Let us pray. Dear Lord, teach me to be patient and to wait on you. Give me eyes to see your growing kingdom. And where I cannot see, give me faith to trust that you are accomplishing your will. Give me ears to hear your word and lips to proclaim your praise. Allow me opportunities to participate with you and my brothers and sisters in Christ in the building up of your glorious kingdom which has no end, which is of all nations, now and forever. Amen.